Up next, Rob Smith is problematic, part of the Gingrich 360 network. There is a reason Kamala Harris repulsed voters in the primaries. There is a reason that Kamala Harris completely blew her first big foreign policy trip as vice president. She's a lightweight, and now the entire world knows it. This is Rob Smith is Problematic. So there is a problem with Kamala Harris. This is um, a problem that if you are a faithful viewer of MSNBC or CNN or or any of the other fake news mainstream media whose job it is um, to prop up a terrible uh, politician like Kamala Harris, the problem is, is that she is a phony. She is an absolute phony, and now politics is filled with phonies. Okay, don't get me wrong, but her phoniness is to a level that is so off-putting for the vast majority of voters that it's it's actually toxic. It's, it's actually something that is unsustainable. Nobody knows what Kamala Harris stands for. Her slogan while she was running for president was, quote-unquote, for the people. We don't know what people she is for um, other than the people that she wants to vote for her so that she can retain more power. And the problem with Kamala Harris, one of Kamala Harris's many problems, is that she believes in absolutely nothing but her own power. There is not a policy position that she is not flip-flopped on. There is not a single position that is, you know, in, in politician speak evolved, in real world speak changed, as she has ascended to more and more power. So what you have to understand about Kamala Harris is that this is a person that will say, do, or be anything in her pursuit of power. She believes in nothing but herself. When you get into politics and when you start being around politicians and you start being around just political figures in general, you will notice these people. Um, you will be around these people. It, it generally, the, the phoniness comes off of them in waves. And this is what you get from Kamala Harris. This is what you get when you watch her speak. This is what you get when you see these off-the-cuff interviews. This is what you get when you hear all of this cackling. Um, So there's a reason why she didn't make it out of the primaries. And the reason is this. If you're dealing with politics in 2021, this is the social media era. This is the era of authenticity. And somebody that is so fundamentally inauthentic, somebody that is so fundamentally phony is going to turn off off voters, okay? Um, <laughs> I was, I, I wouldn't say I was on the campaign trail, but I went to a couple of campaign stops in uh, 2019. I was doing some stuff for Turning Point USA. I remember very specifically, uh, we went to Iowa for, for three days. And uh, let's just be clear, what these presidential candidates have to do is humiliating, first of all. Like, it just really is. There's no, uh, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. These people have to humiliate themselves for the votes, uh, particularly win you're in a place like Iowa and you have people like, you know, Kamala Harris and Pete Buttigieg, they're eating like pork chops on a stick and they're trying to pretend they enjoy this when you know that they just want to be, I don't know, at BLT Prime or something like that. Um, and, and so this is the phoniness that that came off of Kamala Harris in situations like this. So she was in Iowa. I got a chance to observe her. Um, I, I did kind of like this little, uh, this little gorilla video that went pretty uh, viral where I asked 
protest all of the leading Democrat nominees for cash reparations. It, it went crazy. But anyway, so there's a reason why she didn't make it out of the primaries, because she is fake and phony even as a politician, which is actually crazy. Like, imagine how phony you have to be to, even as a politician, to have the phoniness comes off of you in waves. And so there is a fallacy, and I'm going to get to this terrible week that she's had. Like, trust me, I will get there. But I want to create a story because there's not enough attention that's really given to what people really think about Kamala Harris and her weaknesses and shortcomings as a politician. So there is a reason why she didn't make it out of the primaries. And that falseness is one of the problems. Um, But also, there was this idea that Kamala Harris was just going to be the female Obama and that she was just going to stroll in in all of her black female glory. Um, And black people were just supposed to fall in line with this. And we were just supposed to love her. And it was just supposed to be, oh, my God, you know, there's somebody else like us. Oh, she went to Howard. Oh, she's an AKA, like all of this other stuff. And if you know anything about Kamala Harris, you know that, you know, she went to Howard and she did all that stuff after she went to high school in Montreal and after she lived the the life of, of a pretty well and well-reared elitist. So after she did all that, and this is what these black politicians do, especially those that that came up um, in wealth and privilege, like the Barack Obamas and the Kamala Harris's of the world. Um, So they are... You know, raised and born in this wealth and privilege, you know, obviously in Barack Obama's case, you know, Hawaii private schools, like the whole thing. In Kamala Harris's case, um, spending her high school years in Montreal, just having a very well-heeled background. So when they decide that they're going to come here and run a politics and the, they're black, they do things that are associated with black America. And in Kamala's case, going to a historically HBCU, which is historically black colleges, universities, um, pledging Alpha Kappa Alpha, which is a historically black black sorority. So this is like all of this other stuff, right? So she came over here and kind of like learned how to be black. Nobody ever really asked any black people that are not uh, black liberal media figures, because as I've told you guys before, these people do not represent the vast majority of African Americans. Um, But MSNBC, um, I believe it was a couple of weeks before the election. They did an interview with three undecided black female voters about what they thought of Kamala Harris. And I thought that this was totally fascinating. And of course, it got buried by the mainstream media because this is what, you know, this is what a cross section of undecided black female voters really thought of Kamala Harris. Listen to this. I am totally undecided. I'd write your name in at this point. Usually by now I would have voted already, but I, I'm i just not comfortable with either one of them right now. What are you looking for? What do you need to hear? Let's start at the crime bill and the fact that he has not, not only not apologized, not only Joe not, Biden. He is not he has not only not rectified every time he reverts back to well it was some the black caucus members in the in the church but they were with it too okay you fooled them as well you know you never said i'm sorry you know it's like i didn't do it i want to hear an ironclad plan i don't want to hear if this or if that or after the election does the presence of kamala harris on the democratic ticket sway you at all not no. at all i don't know who said she had our vote she does not we were supposed to grab onto kamala with the black girl magic but that didn't happen because she she didn't right her wrongs 
Like I hold officials accountable. I don't care what mm -hmm. color you are. And I think that too often we automatically think that because someone looks like you, that they're going to have your best interests at heart. And that's that's just not simply true. And so now I, I remember when this video came out, I thought it was very interesting. Of course, I didn't get a lot of attention. And this is not. And, and like I said, I don't I don't think that that these black women were particularly Republican and conservative leaning. I think that they were just um, tired of the, the Democrat leftist, you know, okie doke. Right. And, and so what you have to understand with a politician like Kamala Harris, who is so unappealing, who is so phony, who uh, who got less than like something like one percent in Iowa. So you have to understand that. Our media and entertainment industrial complex needs to prop these people up. So here's the thing. It worked with Barack Obama because no matter what you think about his politics or what he did to this country, he's a very charismatic figure, right? Um, he knew how to joke. He, he he just was charismatic. You know, he had that coming over. So it was going to be very easy for the mainstream media to prop him up, to, um, to, to throw him softball questions in the press, to put him on the cover of magazines, all of that other stuff. It was harder with Kamala because she is so deeply unappealing, but the... The chattering media class needs you to believe um, that she is the second coming, literally, of Jesus, right? There is a reason why the media push on her is so heavy. There was a, a Tucker Carlson segment earlier this week was brilliant because they actually showed some of this stuff. It was Disney cartoons. It was coloring books. It was these reporters that speak of not of her accomplishments, um, not of anything that she has actually done while she's been a politician for literally the past few decades. They speak of nothing more than the fact that she is a you know biracial black and Indian woman, right? So they speak of nothing more than shattering the glass ceilings and, oh, she's sister girl Kamala and she's going to do this, she's going to do this. This is going to mean so much to so many little black girls, like all of this stuff. The reason that this push has to be so heavy is because she is so empty. This is a fundamentally empty person. This is a fundamentally empty politician who takes absolutely zero chances. Now, to this week, now that I have painted the picture of why I believe that, that Kamala is a fraud, now to this week. So... For all of the reasons that I've gone through over the past 10 minutes or so, this is why Kamala Harris really, really, really did not want the border assignment. She did not want to have that put on her. And the reason is this. The border is a mess. That is not a situation that can be fixed via a photo op. That is not a situation that can be fixed um, via a speech. In fact, it is a situation that was exacerbated and made even worse by their policies, the policies that they did, um, it, the Biden administration did as soon as they went in. I believe if you're new to this podcast, go back to episode, I believe it was 31, uh, where I really broke down the illegal immigration crisis and how it became a crisis due to um, their policies. But the 100-day moratorium on deportations, the ending of the state of Mexico policy, all of this other stuff has pretty much created a disaster at the border. And it was easy for Kamala to be on the campaign trail and to say the right things. As politicians, it is easy for them to say the right thing. 
It is easy for her to say that illegal immigrants should have free college tuition paid for. And this is yet another thing that she did play that she did say um, on the campaign trail. Now, the issue is here. The issue is that she now has to go to the border, give these speeches and pretend that every single thing that she said and every single thing that these other Democrats said did not lead to the issues that we're having at the border, did not lead to the idea and the perception that a Biden-Harris administration is going to be a lot less tough on the border and to create much more welcoming policies than the Trump administration, right? So she has to pretend that she never said these things, that that she never added to the perception that this was going to be an administration that was more friendly to illegal immigrants. So this is why she did not want this assignment, right? And here is a, a CNN article was basically talked about why she did not want this. And so this is from CNN. One of the unnamed officials said Harris appears eager for a portfolio that will allow her to achieve political victories, especially in foreign policy, an area where she is far less experienced than Biden. Harris's performance is critical to her future political career, which could well include a run for president. Of course, her future political career includes a run for president. This is what she's wanted. This is probably what she has wanted for her, her entire life. These politicians, these people who think of nothing more than the pursuit of power every single second of every single day, they drive me crazy. I think that they are so bizarre. And she is undoubtedly one of these people. And so why did her people... Why did the people behind Kamala Harris not want her to take on a challenge like this? Why did they not want her to do this? Because they knew that this week would happen. Listen to this interview that she did with Lester Holt over on NBC News, where she buckled and bristled at actually being challenged by a reporter on an absolute lie. Listen to this. Do you have any plans? To visit the border. I, at some point, you know, I, we are going to the border. We've been to the border. So you, this whole, this whole, this whole thing about the border, we've been to the border. We've been to the border. You haven't been to the border. I, and I haven't been to Europe. And I, I mean, I don't, I don't understand the point that you're making. I'm not discounting the importance. I'm not discounting the importance. I don't understand the point that you're making. And it's really interesting. Um, And, you know, I talk, I do a lot of media bashing here because, you know, I like media bashing because these people are corrupt liars. But it's so interesting, the bubble that Joe Biden and Kamala Harris has been ensconced in when it comes to them not even answering questions to where when you get even the tiniest amount of pushback on an absolute lie, they go crazy. So this is what happens. And that was the start to this week, right? So the thing about it is, is that you know, she went to Mexico City, she went to Guatemala, and now, number one, she was she was greeted uh, in Guatemala with signs that said, Trump won, go home, and we do not want her here. But the biggest takeaway that she has for this week is, is absolute spin. It is a crazy amount of spin that she is trying to put on, you know, the mainstream media to, to filter it out for her. She says, well, I don't need to go to the border. What we need to do is go to Guatemala and Mexico City and these other places 
taxes and we need to give them American taxpayer dollars so that we can figure out, and these are her words, the quote unquote root causes of what causes people to flee these places to come to America. So in other words, the idea is that we need to spend American taxpayer dollars and we need to spend our money to fix these places because if we fix these places and if we spend hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars in American taxpayer money on these places, well, then maybe, you know, these people just won't want to come here and overwhelm our system and flood our borders. That is the most completely ridiculous and idiotic idea that I've ever heard. Certainly not in a country where we have homeless veterans on the streets. Certainly not in a country where we have a violent crime situation and we have a homeless epidemic in virtually every single major city from Philadelphia to Detroit to Los Angeles to New York City, um, which are all run from top to bottom um, by Democrats, by the way. But the idea that this root cause is spin, she is just going to put that out and people are going to accept that stuff. It's ridiculous. It shows that she is an absolute lightweight. This person is not a leader. This person does not want to lead on the border. And you know what? And I say this all the time. I would respect, it would still be BS, but I would respect them more. Like I would respect Kamala Harris and I would respect Joe Biden. I would respect these people even more if even they said the same things now that they said when they were, going, when they were trying to get elected, when they were trying to get the far left to elect them when they were basically rolling out the red carpet for illegal immigration, for illegal immigrants, sending the message that these people would be welcome, that they were going to end, quote-unquote, family separation, they were going to end all of this stuff. I would have more respect for them if they continued on that path right now. So what they're doing is they're doing a lot of talking and not a lot of action, and their lack of action is making the border a complete disaster. There was a reason that Kamala Harris did not want this job. There is a reason that she did not want this position. Because this week, from the Lester Holt interview to the disastrous press conference, where, by the way, there was this, um, and, I, and I should have pulled that for a side, but there was this absolutely embarrassing question from somebody who identified themselves as a Univision reporter that said, I am proud to have voted for you for the first female vice president, etc. Now, here's this softball question. You know, for anybody who claims to be a journalist, that is embarrassing. And Univision actually came out and said that this person does not work for them. They don't know who that is. So the only thing that we can surmise is that this is a plant from the, the campaign. Because who else would it be? If not just some deranged Kamala Harris fan that, uh, you know, uh, generated press credentials and made her way through the barriers just so that she can ask that embarrassingly sycophantic question. So look, this week has totally exposed Kamala Harris. Now the entire world knows what American voters knew, which is why they ran away from her in droves. She is a phony. She is a lightweight. She is someone who believes in absolutely nothing but her own power. She is not a leader. She is not smart. She is cunning, but cunning and smart are two different things. She is just another example of a weak politician that will say, do, or be anything in the pursuit of power. And with the crisis that we have going on on our southern border right now, 
with crossings going up, with nearly 900,000 migrants being stopped at the border between October 1st of last year and May 31st of this year, with the number of migrants illegally crossing the U.S.-Mexico border this fiscal year already being the most literally since 2006, okay? This is 15 years ago. And there's, you know, months left to go in this fiscal year, right? So this is not the person that we need leading this right now. And she, Kamala Harris, has been absolutely exposed to the entire world of being the lightweight novice that all of the voters that did not vote for her in the Democrat primary knew that she was. Next up, the fake news strikes again. Yet another whopper from the mainstream media has been debunked and the usual suspects are once again silent. I'll tell you what it was after the break. So if uh, all of the media lies of 2020 haven't been memory hold for you, you will likely remember the breathless and outraged quote-unquote reporting that then-President Trump gassed peaceful protesters to get them out of the way so that he could take a photo at St. John's Church in D.C. that had been damaged by fire because of a protest the night before. Now, in case you did not remember this, and those were BLM protests, by the way. Remember those peaceful ones that always ended up, you know, always seemed to end up um, ending up in death and in murder and fires and in the destruction of total cities. Hello, Minneapolis. But in case you do not remember how the usual suspects in the mainstream media, quote unquote, reported on this, I want you to listen to this. These are your favorites at MSNBC, CNN, and the rest reporting, quote unquote, on how Trump gassed peaceful protesters so that he could take a photo at St. John's Church. Um, If the White House president and his team had to do it all over again, would you have gassed and pummeled protesters to clear the park so the president could have a photo op? Is on Washington, where peaceful protesters, we have to stress that, peaceful protesters outside the White House were tear gassed and pushed away so it appears that the president could have a photo op. And just yesterday, as Alex notes, we saw uh, protesters, peaceful protesters, pushed back so the President Trump could have that photo op in front of St. John's Episcopal Church. Up next, the president and his photo op. It turned out they were trying to clear the area so President Trump could get a photo opportunity outside of a church. And outrage is growing after U.S. Park and Secret Service police fire tear gas and rubber bullets into a crowd of peaceful demonstrators near the White House, clearing the way for the president's photo op. In front- so while the president clutched a Bible and posed for a photo op outside a church, his Democratic opponent, Joe Biden, was inside a church. We carried away protesters using tear, uh, cleared away protesters using tear gas and rubber bullets so that Donald Trump could walk across the street from the White House and stage a photo op in front of a church. With the president forcefully clearing the streets by Lafayette Park, clearing the streets of peaceful protests. Where force was used, as I said the day before, to clear the president's way to St. John's Church for that photo op. Um, the president wanted this photo op and he wanted to disperse that crowd. Because a large crowd of peaceful protesters cleared out of the park across from the White House so the president could go pose for a photo. I did the police, why were they ordered to move on protesters at that moment? 
obviously the president wanted a photo op. And it was President Trump sending a message, a message that he feels good about today, looking at these images. He wanted to show that he could move Americans physically out of the way to do this photo op. Just one day after peaceful protesters were gassed, so he could stage a photo op in front of St. John's Church. Any circumstance to violate the constitutional rights of their fellow citizens, much less to provide a bizarre photo op for the elected commander in chief. So there's just one problem here. A year later, because this was uh, June 2020, by the way, we find out that this is not true. This is a lie. This never happened. And I'm going to I'm going to read this from you. Okay. so there is a literal Interior Department Inspector General report on this. Right. Basically, um, and this is from ABC News. U.S. Park Police did not clear Lafayette Park in the nearby area of protesters on June 1st, 2020. So President Donald Trump could walk from the White House over to St. John's Church, but learned of his interest in surveying the site hours after they had already begun planning to clear up the area to put new fencing. Okay, so this is something that had been planned literally for weeks. It just so happened that the BLM hordes put a historic church, um, set a historic church in Washington, D.C. on fire. All right. The night before. And so Trump was like, hell, you know, let me let me go walk through. Let me do a show of force against this stuff. So there was this idea that the directive from the what came from the White House to literally tear gas, quote unquote, peaceful protesters. By the way, peaceful protesters don't start fires. There is nothing about any of those BLM protests in 2020 that were peaceful at all. There is not a single BLM protest from whether it was Minneapolis, whether it was Atlanta or whatever, that did not end up in some sort of there was not some sort of violence some sort of arson, some sort of death. Hello, Sequoia Turner and David Dorn. There was not a single one of those protests, the big ones, that did not end up in some kind of chaos. So let's not memory hole that as well. We find out a year later that this was an absolute lie. And this is only the latest in a long string of these lies that come from the news media. And I want you to listen to the inspector general himself. This is him speaking in an ABC News interview. This is the Interior Department Inspector General Mark Lee Greenblatt speaking about what their investigation found out. So tell me a little bit about what questions you were trying to answer with this report and what were some of your big findings? Well, thank you for having me on, uh, Diane. The the big question for this report was that this was obviously a particularly tumultuous in, I, event in a tumultuous time. And what we sought out to determine is why the U.S. Park Police decided to clear the park on June 1st. And was that influenced uh, by a potential presidential visit to the park or to St. John's Church, which is nearby? The, the upshot of our review is that we found evidence that the park police decided to clear the park to install an anti-scale fencing in order to protect law enforcement officers as well as the park itself and, and federal and private property. On the flip side, we did not find evidence that a potential presidential visit 
to the park or the St. John's Church influenced the park police's decision making or their deployment, uh, you know, in their operation to clear out the park. So that's the big, uh, the big finding of our report is the, is the is the clear evidence of why they decided to do so and when uh, they made the decision. And on the flip side, the lack of evidence related to the president's uh, potential visit influencing that decision. We did not find evidence that a, the president's potential visit had anything to do with clearing out the park. And, and let me tell you something, guys. You know, in in look, I, I use some mainstream media sources here. I generally use written reports. You know, when when I'm talking about things. You have to understand that the mainstream media, when it comes to MSNBC or CNN and all of this other stuff, and there, there's a little game that they play, and I'm gonna, I, I'm gonna clue you into the game. Let me put you on game, as the kids say. There's a game that they play. So some reporter will write some story based on unnamed sources. In this case, I believe that this entire thing originated from the Washington Post, right? And so fake news media comes out, whether it's Joy Reid at MSNBC or, or Anderson Cooper on CNN, any of these people. So they come out and then they say, well, according to this report, this is what happens. They do not try to do any of their own reporting on this stuff. They're already they're only amplifying what has already been basically falsely reported or underreported or whatever. So then somebody says, oh, they heard it on CNN. So now it just becomes this whole thing of fake news madness. And this is how we have the situation that we're in right now. Let me tell you something about these people. The mainstream media lies and lies and lies. Then they lie some more. Then they take a sip of water. Then they lie some more. Then they lie a little bit more. They tell a couple of lies. Then they take a deep breath. And then they lie, lie, lie some more. And then as soon as this information comes out, it is memory hold. They rarely say anything about it. And it gets a literally like one one hundredth the amount of attention that it got before. And look, there's a, uh, a Daily Caller writer on Twitter named Greg Price, who basically cataloged, this is a very interesting thread of mainstream media lies about Trump. And I'm just going to read a few of these. Trump gas protests for photo op lie. Trump is ignoring Russian bounties on our troops lie. Trump called soldiers suckers lie. The lab leak theory is a conspiracy lie because we all know that that becomes more credible by the day. There won't be a vaccine by the end of this year, as in 2020. Lie. It's not safe to open schools. Absolute lie. The Hunter Biden New York Post story is Russian disinformation. Lie. Donald Trump told politicians in Georgia to quote-unquote find the fraud. Another lie. DeSantis is evil and Como is doing a great job. Lie, lie, lie. Oh, and the biggest whopper of them all, locking down for only 15 days to slow the spread. So let me tell you something. If you are not taking anything that you see from any of these sources with a grain of salt and, and really, really, really putting the most sharply critical eye that you can on any of this stuff, you are being misinformed because these people are liars. These people are Democrat operatives and they will continue to lie as long as there are people who believe their lies and never check up on them. To wrap it up, they're liars. Hunter Biden is at it again. God, such an upstanding young citizen being caught dropping the N-bomb via texts and mainstream media and Democrats are silent. I'll break it all down right up next. 
Oh my God, guys, Hunter Biden is such a scumbag. I didn't even want to talk about him today. I didn't even want to give a take on this. This guy is gross. He's ridiculous. I have seen photos of Hunter Biden that I do not want to see. It, th this stuff is all out there. He's gross. He's a joke. He like did drugs. He smoked the balls. He, he's disgusting. But now we're finding out that he's a, at least racist adjacent, right? So now we are finding out that Hunter Biden repeatedly called his white lawyer the N-word via these leaked texts, right? And so this is coming from the New York Post, which is the only place um, that will absolutely um, cover this Hunter Biden stuff, even though they got shut down the last time they broke news about Hunter Biden's laptop, which was, by the way, completely real. It was a totally real thing. So this is from, you know, the New York Post, you know, from vis-a-vis uh, -vis the Daily Caller, because I believe, not the Daily Caller, excuse me, the Daily Mail, um, because I believe that that they are the first people to report this. Uh, first son Hunter Biden repeatedly called his white attorney the N-word in a, in a pair of bizarre and occasionally lewd text conversations late in 2018 and early 2019. In an exchange on December 13, 2018, taken from Hunter's abandoned laptop. Oh boy, there's just, there, there's going to be stuff coming from this laptop from year, for years, guys. Uh, the younger Biden asked Chicago-based corporate attorney George Maceres how much money do I owe you before adding because and bomb you better not be charging me Hennessy rates this made me snarf my coffee replied Maziris who is white so look this guy's a scumbag this guy is an absolute scumbag and, and it's almost like I don't know who's the bigger scumbag, right? I don't know if the bigger scumbag is Hunter Biden, who we know he's a scumbag. We know from every single piece of reporting that comes out on that man that he's a scumbag. But who's the bigger scumbag? Is it Hunter Biden or is it all of these black Democrats, all of these black leftists, all of these black people who spend the majority of their time and energy trying to tell all of America um, how racist and all of this stuff that Republicans are. Now, I want you to imagine for a split second, if anything, even close to this came out um, from Don Jr. They came out of, of his text. Remember, and when we're talking about um, media lies, when we're talking about um, you know Donald Trump lies, remember um, that rumor that there was the N-word tape. Remember that? Oh, the N-word tape. These were you know um, um, uh, recordings from uh, the Apprentice tapings that we were going to find this out, and we were supposed to find this out um, in 2016, and it was going to blow the election wide open, and Hillary was gonna, just going to have a cakewalk to the election. So... The mainstream media spends a lot of your time, and Democrats, a lot of their time telling you that Don Jr. is a racist, and Ivanka's a racist, and Jared Kushner's a racist, and Trump is a racist, and everybody's racist. Every, just everybody's racist all the time. But then this stuff comes out about Hunter Biden, literally the first son, who probably walks in and out of the White House like he owns it, right? Um, and is probably at this point um, peddling more influence to make himself more millions of dollars now that, that his corrupt father is in the White House. But these black Democrats and these black liberals and these liberals in general, they say absolutely nothing. These are the people that are supposed to be the race warriors. These are the people that are supposed to be the last stand 
stand between um, black Americans and these Republicans who want to, again, in Joe Biden's words, put us back in chains that that want to enslave us again. And so now they are absolutely silent on this because this does not fit their political agenda. Now, I have become a big fan of Leo Terrell over the past uh, couple of weeks. Like, if you guys don't um, follow me on Facebook, please do follow me on Facebook at, uh, at Rob Smith Online. I do videos on Facebook pretty much two, three times a day. Um, and, and when I share um, clips of what Leo Terrell had to say on Fox News, like they just go crazy because this man, and let me tell you something about Leo Terrell. As a matter of fact, now that I think about it, I have to get this man on my show. Like we have to do an interview because he is spicy. Leo Terrell is like your black Republican grandfather who has ceased having F's to give about anything. So this is what he had to say about this entire situation on Hannity. Black Democrats, wake up. If this was Eric Trump or Donald Trump, you would have Al Sharpton on 24-7. And I'll tell you right now, you would have riots. You would have riots and protesting in the street. You would have Black Lives Matter. You would have Antifa roaming the street if it was Eric Trump or, or, or Donald Trump Jr. Where is Dinosaur Maxine Water? Where is uh, James Clyburn? Where are all the black Democrats who complain? You don't see them. Now, let me simply tell you about this. This. Uh, Hunter Biden. He's not a role model. He's a criminal. And he gets a pass because his dad, the Imperial Wizard, is president. If his dad was not president, he would be in bars and stripes. This man, Hunter Biden, has done nothing to benefit or help America. He has profit and he has used his dad's office and his dad's mentality to basically have a racial racist attitude. This is embarrassing. And I think black voters should understand that the Democratic Party is the party that hates blacks. The party that likes blacks is the party that I joined, the Republican Party. Democrats hate blacks, and that's why they're using you. Gotta love Leo Terrell because let me tell you something. He tells it like it is, and I and I hope one day I, I really do, guys. Like I hope one day I'm gonna get like I'm gonna be I don't know what I'm gonna be doing when like I'm in my fifties or whatever. I'm pretty sure Leo Terrell like he's been around for a really long time. I, I think he's in his fifties. By the time I'm in my fifties, I just want to be able to kind of like give it to him like that. Honestly, you know you know me, guys. I uh, I. I kind of like pull my punches a little bit because I try to be a little, you know, I just try to keep it classy around here. But Leo tells it like it is. And basically he is saying everything um, any, you know, black or white Republican thinks is that, you know, these Democrats, these people on the left, they, you know, I, I don't know what the word is. This is, they feel like they own the black vote so much. They feel like they own African Americans so much that they can just do anything. And, Basically, what Hunter Biden with this entire situation and what the media and Democrat response to it has been, which is basically absolutely nothing, um, has proven that fact. It has proven the fact that Democrats do not respect uh, black people. They do not even like black people. We are just politically useful to them because for whatever reason, we keep on voting for Democrats upwards of of 90%, even though in the past election it was 87%, whatever. Um, But, you know, to to any black Democrats that are listening, any black liberals that are listening, independents, whatever, just get out of that part. 
party. These people do not like you. These people do not respect you. They think that you are stupid. Once again, hell, Joe Biden thinks uh, that black people are too stupid to get ID. He thinks that black entrepreneurs are too stupid to get, um, you know, lawyers and accountants. You know, the, these are the things that they're saying about you in public. Um, so imagine what they're saying about you in private. Oh, we don't have to imagine because now we know um, how. Uh, racially sensitive the son of the president of the United States is. So I don't have any mo- anything more to say about that. Hunter Biden is a scumbag. These text messages prove it. I am sure that that laptop is going to be the gift that keeps on giving to anybody who wants even more examples of Hunter Biden's douchebaggery and scumbaggery over the next couple of years. Because I'm pretty sure that on that laptop, there is a lot more where that came from. But as for me, this just tells me what I already knew. Democrats do not care about black people. The left do not care um, about racial racial sensitivity, racial justice, racial reconciliation. They don't care about any of that stuff. They care about winning elections. They will continue to use black people to do it. The, The longer that black people do not stand up to them and call them out on this stuff because this Hunter, this Hunter Biden N-word tech story is absolutely ridiculous. Like, it is crazy to me, but he'll get away with it because he's connected to a Democrat. go i want to thank my fellow problematics so much for listening if you're enjoying the show please leave us a review and rate us with five stars on apple podcasts you can also find me on twitter facebook and instagram at rob smith online special thanks to our producer john cassio researcher aaron kliegman and executive producers debbie myers and speaker newt gingrich part of the gingrich 360 network